Welcome to this landmark episode of Think Fit Be Fit podcast. My name is Jennifer Schwartz. I'm the hostess and creator of this podcast network. Today is my opportunity to introduce our new show, Fitness for Consumption, on Think Fit Be Fit. Today, October 17th, 2020, we are so close to 20 thousand downloads and are growing tremendously outside of the United States. What an honor it is to share this passion. Thank you so much for being here. What you are about to hear is Paul Joris and Gregory Gordon, aka PJ and Gigi, with me for a conversation about more conversations. (laughs) Here is a blurb from the show description of fitness for consumption. Let's face it, when it comes to fitness, there's no shortage of opinions, advice, conventional wisdom, or do's and don'ts. So what really works? The truth is everything works and nothing works. It all depends on how you look at it, end quote. This 10-episode series lays out some critical thinking pieces about exercise and athletic training that you can apply now and when you return to the gyms and fields and even for longevity. Rest assured, this integrative project is always pushing the conversation to open up about a non-judgmental approach to fitness, which in my opinion is much needed. My goal as the hostess and creator of this podcast network is to provide you insights that you won't hear anywhere else and that these perspectives are science-based and honestly, it's a mental supercharge to add to your fitness approach. To put it simply, we are not your standard fitness podcast and I have you and many of my colleagues to thank for always inspiring me. Our new co-hosts have a com- have a combined 50 years of experience. PJ as a noted kinesiologist, a frequent lecturer at medical, scientific, sports and fitness conferences and has authored peer-reviewed articles and chapters in medical and scientific textbooks. Gigi a movement scientist with a focus in pain management and motor skill performance. He has spent the past 20 years customizing strength and conditioning programs to fit the specific needs of his diverse clientele. Here is what you can expect from this episode. If you are stuck in an exercise rut or rabbit hole of questions about it, then tune in to this episode because we can breathe some logic and inspiration into your exercise head. You like you know strategy and exercise makes you boundless, but where do you start? Wink wink. This is a great warm up for what is about to come. If you are a trainer interested in developing your critical thought or you are a therapist interested in lifestyle medicine, then this episode has some interesting topics that can help you grow as a professional. The topics covered in this ep- in this conversation are 
One, not losing an opportunity to gain knowledge and wisdom about your body and exercise. It's such an incredible investment of your time and energy. Two, the difference between an understanding versus just repeating instruction. Three, the platinum rule in training from PJ. Four, informational processing in exercise and movement. That's one of my favorites. And before I unleash this beast of an episode, kind of kidding, I want to introduce you to our new podcast affiliate. Personally, I am very honored to be a part of this product uh, growth, and that is Ladder which is a sports nutrition company that was created by LeBron James and his trainer. So check out ladder.sport. They have created products that are supporting athletes of all types and that they need something extra for their performance. And this is in addition to a healthy, nutritious diet. Supplements are for to supplement a healthy diet, not to replace it. I've started using the pre-workout, but they have protein, vegan protein, uh, whey protein, greens, uh, hydration, and of course, some swag. So I have the plant protein and the pre-workout plus um, a super sweet shaker bottle that I cannot wait to show off on the gram. So... If um, you're ready to go check them out, go to ladder.sport and use the code BFIT10. And of course, as always, I um, am so excited for you to try things and add them to your nutritious and healthy lifestyle. But also keep in mind that we have the discount code and they already include free shipping and great deals on bundles. So my advice is to sign up for subscription, get 20% off, and then get the BFIT10 code on there and like you are saving some money. So check them out, ladder.sport, and the code is BFIT10. Okay, and one more thing before we air this episode. I want to encourage you to talk to us on social media and sign up for the newsletter. Newsletter goes out twice a month as of now, and it's definitely, it includes information that is not included on this podcast, including how to dive deep with some of our guests and how to really embrace these ideas and stretch your mindset about fitness. So head on over to thinkfitbefitpodcast.com and Instagram, you can find me at Jennifer underscore Simone underscore Schwartz. And then Paul Juris is on Instagram at Paul M. Juris. And then Gregory Gigi is at exercise intelligence, which is exercise underscore intelligence. And I promise I will be (laughs) telling them to engage more on social media. It's part of my job as a producer and creator of a network, you know? Uh, Number two, um, Facebook. The Facebook is so active. People are really into it. And that is Think Fit, Be Fit podcast 
uh, thinkfitbefit underscore podcast on Instagram. So same thing. Uh, but I really think the Facebook group uh, page is, is much more active than all these other ones. So check it out. Join us. Ask questions. And most importantly, let us know what you are learning or leave a review on iTunes so other people can engage with their exercise in this intelligent and interesting and engaging way. I hope you enjoy this episode and the next 10 episodes after that. You will be hearing me um, throughout those episodes just in the beginning and we have six episodes a month so I will still be interviewing and work you know work in my magic my podcast magic on Mondays and the boys will be releasing on Wednesdays for the next few months thanks again for being here and have a wonderful week Well, welcome back uh, to Think Fit Be Fit, gentlemen. I am so excited to let the listeners in on kind of a big secret, and as uh, and also welcome you back as um, guest, co-host, and uh, put you in the driver's seat a little bit. <laughs> yeah, very it's happy fair, to be right? here. Yeah. Thank you. Uh huh. Yeah, that's um. It's been a really interesting few months as I, each time I have these conversations, I'm reflecting, I'm learning, and I always want to know what the listeners are learning and keeping them um, part of the process, you know, because a big part of what we're doing is helping people ask better questions and helping them formulate uh a a a version of their fitness outside of this box that the fitness industry um, seems to have put most of us in, which is like a box of assumptions of imperfections and imbalances that we have to fix all the time versus what I am seeing from you guys, which is just so exciting, is like presenting a... Uh, a whole new paradigm and concept of evaluating and looking at exercise. <laughs> so can, um, just to start, can you reintroduce yourselves quickly and um, a little bit about the concept that oh, okay. you are bringing to the podcast? Uh, sure. PJ, do you want to go first or back? Yeah, let me, let me start. So the name of our podcast is Fitness for Consumption. And the idea there is, you know, fitness is fitness. That's what we're really talking about. But the notion of fitness for consumption means that something is fit to be consumed. So what we want our listeners to know is that what they're hearing from us is not just opinion. It's not just anecdote. It's not uh, conventional wisdom that we're trying to provide people with a point of view or a perspective that allows them to think a little bit more critically about what they're hearing and to be able to distill some of that information in a way that makes more sense as opposed to just following along because that's what everybody's supposed to do. Gigi, what do you think? Yeah, so funny enough, since we've so 
this this podcast has been a top secret project since uh, June, I believe now is when we first started kicking it around. So by the time this goes to air, it'll probably be November. So over those past months, we've had several opportunities to answer this question, like what's the name of the podcast, what's it about? And each time I probably answer it a little bit differently as I'm sure I will a year from now. But so as PJ said, it's called Fitness for Consumption. And the consumption part to me is sort of, um, uh, so there's a podcast I listen to by Neil deGrasse Tyson, which is, he's a well-known astrophysicist. And so his podcast, he describes it as the intersection of pop culture and astrophysics. And I see ours somewhere along the same line. So the, the consumption part is also what I'm interested in well is sort of like the pop culture part of fitness, which is all the Instagram stuff I see and like what the Kardashians trainers are doing and all that sort of media that um, is really, you know, sort of the loudest voice in the room when it comes to fitness. And so, you know, I'm interested in what people are consuming uh, via the, those routes. And, you know, we look at those concepts through a movement science perspective, which is we try to introduce something that, you know, is, is a popular fitness trend and then sort of, you know, just um, as best we can objectively sort of dissect it from a movement science perspective and see what's credible, what maybe has less support to it. Um, and then, yeah, do it in, in a way that we hope is entertaining. Um, and, you know, really ultimately helps someone on their own look at things with a more critical eye. Yeah, the, the critical eye piece, it just keeps coming up and screaming at me that it's just so important and so different <laughs> at the same time. I have, um, you know, we're, we're definitely seeing it all throughout different aspects of our culture, uh, especially uh, in politics. But I don't think people realize that there is such a conversation to be had about fitness as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. What kind of, so what kind of uh, subjects are you tackling? And I need, um, I, I have to know like which ones are like controversial and going to make me really excited. <laughs> well, hopefully everything's controversial. <laughs> you know, I, I refer to myself as a contrarian and my general philosophy on things is, especially when you have an environment in which the majority of people are taking the same position or doing the same things for whatever reason they choose to do them. It, when, when the whole world is going left, I just think someone needs to take a right turn and, and look at things differently. I mean, if everyone agreed on everything, we'd never get anywhere. And so what we try to do is introduce a, a bit of controversy in each one of our podcasts so that we can take an opposing view. And, you know, my personal position is we should be able to argue anything from any perspective and try to win. It's when we become very singular in our view of things and, and somewhat dogmatic in those views that we lose an opportunity to gain knowledge or wisdom or perspective. 
And so let's look at something and argue it from every point of view and see what we can do with it and where that takes us. Yeah, I would uh, add to that that I think so what on the conversations we have, what we think the audience will be is probably split between people that have um, an interest in their own health and fitness. Um, and then maybe there'll be a segment of the audience that is in the health and fitness field on the professional level. And so like when I think of those two different audiences, so for example, like my brother who exercises, but you know, is in IT for his profession, like he's not going to find the concept of um, whether or not to do uh, all your crunches on a stability ball controversial. Like he doesn't know, but he, he's not going to be concerned about that. But someone that's a fitness professional that may have an emotional attachment to doing exercises in a certain way, you know, they might find in uh, in an episode that we do that like, you know, some of the things that we say might conflict with their sort of worldview on that. But when I talk to someone like my brother, just friends in general that exercise, like what's controversial to them is that to PJ's point that they have a very, very singular view of exercise. It's, and maybe we'll talk about it on this podcast, but it's interesting that even like very intelligent, very sophisticated and thoughtful people when it comes to exercise can be so binary. You know, they, they just think that it's like, this one thing that you do and like you just do that one thing and that like you don't even try this other thing because it instantly does this thing and like so to those people i think what they uh they might find some of our our more general stance on something we could call the fitness ecosystem which maybe we'll talk about that might be controversial to them because the, I, it's my experience that talking to people, more lay people in health and fitness can have really strong but very singular views on exercise and how to do it. And are, you know, it, it's hard to push them out of those um, rabbit holes they're in. Yeah, and sometimes mm -hmm. I think, you know, you, you mentioned taking a critical eye about things. And in my experience, especially with fitness professionals, believe it or not, People don't always know what kinds of questions to ask, right? And, and just uh, as, you know, as sort of a story related to that, I, I did a weekend workshop given by a certifying organization. And, you know, on our podcast, I'll throw darts at the organizations. I won't mention them now, but for, <laughs> it was but a two-day workshop. <laughs> <laughs> it was a two-day workshop and, and it was eight hours a day. And for the first day and a half, all we heard from the instructors was keep your spine straight. Right. So we're, we're talking about 12 hours of instruction by these people and they keep drilling it into our heads. Keep your spine straight. Keep your spine straight. I mean, enough. I get it. You want me to keep my spine straight. I promise I'll do that. And then in hour 13, they get into core training and they put us on a physio ball and they say, OK, now flex your spine. And I'm looking around the room. There were 100 people in the room. I'm looking around the room and I'm looking like nobody had a hand up. Nobody. And I'm thinking. Holy smoke, for 12 hours, they were telling us to keep our spine straight. And now they're telling us to flex our spine. Now, I'm not debating whether that's the right thing to do in a core training exercise. But no one bothered to ask, wait a minute, why are you telling me to flex my spine now after 12 hours of getting drilled into my head that I shouldn't do that? Nobody bothered to ask that question. And that really bothered me. 
And what it suggested is that the people that are attending these things are not really there to develop an understanding of things and to really try to figure out what's going on. They're simply there so that they can be told what to do so that they can repeat it. And so a lot of the things that we talk about in our podcasts, I mean, we deliberately go after some of these concepts, not because we necessarily just want to be provocative um, and obnoxious, which I tend to be if I want to, but um, yeah, we want to, we want to throw this stuff up at people and say, Hey, look, you know, you're just following the party line. Why don't you take a step back, look at this critically and ask a question so that we can move this thing along in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I've been pondering and thinking about ways to provoke those questions in a really cute and flirty way. And <laughs> that's just my That's style. easy for you to do, not yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're, we're going to leave that to you. Yeah, yeah that's why that's, um, you know, that's the way I see, you know, part of my role in uh, being now a hostess, a public figure in this. And Part of it is just sharing my enthusiasm and curiosity and the, that the, the curiosity and that enthusiasm for not only uh, feeling connected to my exercise, but also feeling connected to the reason why I'm doing something. <laughs> and, um, so I, oh, I, I'm coming back to this concept and it, it, it's in the newsletter now. I'm calling it the fitness brain food so that we can feed our mind a little bit and uh, have a concept and say, this is one idea in exercise. And then it's just a couple lines of how about we think about it this way? And, um, and sometimes after reflecting on this stuff, I, I think it's um, we don't, no, we don't have the language or we don't have the words to describe certain ways that we feel when we move or, um, or we don't have the, um, the process of, you know, uh, looking at something outside of the box and meaning, you know, it's description, like meaning, um, it's metaphorical, metaphorical box, like, what what does this thing mean and what does it mean outside of this description and who you know who's contributing to that conversation so and that's like one of the things um that i feel is most important about this podcast is being able to you know shine the light on that so thank you guys i think um you know, it's a, it's a big mission of mine. So I'm really excited to have you all, uh, you know, not just be a part of the conversation, but are the conversation, um, and helping people think critically and outside of the box. Um, anything to add on that or do we ready for another question? Uh, yeah, let's have another question. question. Yeah. (laughs) Let's move to another question. Yeah. I'm sure we'll circle back to, okay. Um, and okay. So when we talk about thinking and exercise, how much mental real estate should we be spending in, 
in our training sessions, like, or as a trainer. Does that make sense? Is that a? I I think I know what you're asking, so I'll take a stab at it. So, okay. um, <laughs> I don't think so I have the mental real estate to process <laughs> that question. So, <laughs> I'll follow the leader, Gigi. Go ahead. All right. Well, so here, Jen, you tell me if I'm on track with this, and I, I think it comes back to a conversation we may have had a couple of months ago. But so, and again, I would parse this between um, someone that is a trainer or someone that is doing this professionally and like coaching someone versus someone that's exercising. And so um, I think it's totally valid for, I've worked with clients um, for years that, so when I first started learning about motor learning and cueing and feedback and all this stuff, one of the few epiphanies I've had in my life is that I'd been working with a client, I don't know, easily five years or so. And, you know, I sort of came from the school of like hyper feedback where I'd be giving them tactile feedback and verbal feedback and every sort of, you know, visual, every sort of feedback I could give this person and each rep and every exercise. And I, I thought that was, you know, um, the, the best way of helping this person achieve their goals. And though, you're not alone, Gigi. Yeah. And look, I weren't anyway. <laughs> and it's, we can debate, uh, how, the efficiency of that. Um, but the point of this story is that, you know, again, for years I was working with this person and I would like, let's say we're doing a chest press. I would put dumbbell on his lap and each time over years, he would look at me like a deer lost in headlights and like he'd never seen these dumbbells and would have no idea what to do with them. And I'd be like, yeah. okay, we're going to do a chest press and be like, and until I like, un because I was giving him so much feedback, I robbed him of the opportunity to solve problems on his own. And the truth is he wasn't really interested in solving problems on his own. He wasn't interested in building up his own fitness ecosystem or toolkit. He just wanted someone to come to his place, put him through a series of exercises because he didn't like exercising on his own. And he just wanted the health benefits that would come from stressing his body a couple times a week in a particular way. And he liked me because, you know, he thought I had a thoughtful approach about keeping him safe. And so, look, I actually think that's totally valid. Like every year my dad gets on me about doing, saving money and my taxes and I should be investing in this. And I just don't, I know he's right. I just don't want to spend the minutes of like thinking about that stuff. And so I get from a consumer's perspective, if they're like, look, I don't want to, I know you're trying to teach me cool stuff. I don't care. I just want you to come to my house. You show me what you think are the best exercises for me. I'll perform them, but I don't want to think about it any more than that. So I, I think that's valid. I think that's okay. Ideally, I think the better approach is that you invest in yourself and you, you know, you begin to develop this toolkit of movements and exercises and you just come at it. Um, there's a, a paper, I don't know, a, a story I wrote several months ago called the conscientious observer. And I think the, in applying that to fitness, it's just that you open yourself up to different types of exercise experiences. Um, you see how they go. And then, you know, you, you just sort of like observe like, oh, I did this and that felt good. Or I did this and I didn't like that. And you just sort of like, 
allow yourself to have a lot of different experiences before like making a very rigid stance on something. You just kind of observe things over a period of time. And then, you know, hopefully as you expose yourself to a bunch of different experiences, you acquire some different skills and, and, but that, that takes a good degree of, of thought and real estate in your brain. So, um, I think that's a good way to go about your life. But again, this is what I do for a living. I'm biased towards it. So um, I understand that someone might not want to put that much thought into it. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes I put so much thought into what I'm moving and how I'm moving it that I don't, I can't count. Like I, 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 I just, I, I can't like stay on a, uh, in a set. I do it all the time in squats. So, okay, I'm going to, uh, this is an eight, this is eight reps, this amount of weight. And usually I, I go one or two above eight um, because I'm, I, I, I'm more into how I'm controlling my body when I'm moving. So I don't know. Any comments on that? Like, <laughs> am well, I spending too much time on the controlling and missing and going over, you know, some kind of, I don't know, mental threshold? It depends on what you're trying to get out of it, right? So if for you as an athlete, if you're looking to really like map your motion and, and control your body in different contexts and through different moving forms, then there's a lot of value in doing that. I agree with Gigi on, you know, on some levels, people don't want to have to deal with stuff. They, in fact, they come in and work out with you because they just need someone to hold their hand and talk to. And if that's what it takes to get them to come back repeatedly and the process of doing that has some positive effect, there's a benefit that they're exercising regularly. That's okay. I think that everyone should develop a sense of their own agency, right? So everyone at on some level should do that. And there are ways of getting at it that don't necessarily require a lot of active mental processing. So we sort of joke when in one of our episodes, I was talking about working with people and, you know, I don't take the weights off the rack for them, right? Go here. We're going to do this exercise with dumbbells. Go get those 10 pounders off the rack. I'm not doing the work for you. You do the work. So by getting them to do that, even if it doesn't take a lot of forethought and processing, it's making them take control to be able to do that on their own mm-hmm. is actually helping them. So I guess it's, you know, if, if they're trying to get out, um, I need the minimum amount of health benefits from this exercise. Or if I'm getting, uh, I want to completely change my body and I want to completely change the way that I take on my health, my personal value system with exercise. So those are going to be, I, I guess they're just, what I'm hearing is that those are just two different ways to go about it. But, um, well, I don't know if there's any studies that have been done uh, cause it'd be a hard thing to measure, but like, so again, if you're just sort of like a passive, a, you know, a, a, a passive agent in your own exercise program. I mean, you show up, you work hard, like, but 
like you're not acquiring the skill because someone like me is like setting the machine up for you, giving the weights, you're just performing. Um, look, you're, you're, you're still going to acquire some level of skill, but you're certainly not coming close to capitalizing on your skill acquisition. But I don't know that if you measure someone like that against someone who's like doing everything on their own and highly skillful, that if you put the same stimulus, if you could somehow like normalize that they've got all the same hormones and genes and all that stuff, like I don't know at the end of the day if the end goal for both people is just to like feel stronger, have better endurance, have better power. As long as you're working hard between the lines when someone's like coaching you to do so, you should reap a lot of, if not the same benefit as someone else. The real issue is the skill acquisition component, which, you know, I feel, I know PJ feels, and that is something that if you just want to be the most self-sufficient human you can be, that's where you're really losing it if you're not taking an active role in your exercise process. So I don't know on the biological level how much you're losing. You might not be losing a lot, but on the skill acquisition level, you're losing a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm an advocate of empowering people and, and helping them to become self-sufficient, right, and self-actualized. And, and it's important to me, but at the end of the day, what's most important is what my client thinks. And, you know, I've talked about this in the past, but we've all heard of the golden rule, which is, you know, treat others the way you would like to be treated. But I say in the fitness industry, we need to operate under the platinum rule, which is treat other people the way they want to be treated. Because I think what trainers tend to do is to train people the way they want to train themselves or the way that they think is the right way to train or the right approach to take philosophically or otherwise. But we, first and foremost, we have to consider what our clients want. And I've had clients that really wanted to be pushed. I've had clients that on the surface didn't want to be pushed, but I knew that I had to needle them and push them anyway in order to get something out of them. I mean, it comes down to knowing who that person is who's standing in front of you and being able to address them in a way that they want to be addressed and that they need to be addressed so that they can get what they want out of it. But at the end of the day, if I have my druthers, I'm going to have people think about what they're doing while they're doing it. Because by the way, thinking and using your brain that way is going to deliver great benefit through the aging process, right? And so forcing us to use our minds while we're using our bodies is a very good thing. Um, but you don't want to lose clients because that's what you're doing. So, you know, there's got to be a little bit of give and take and balance in this whole process. Yeah. Um, I often think about that, uh, these pathways of the, um, you know, being mentally and mindfully engaged with your movement and that it does promote m more biological, um, benefits. And so, yeah, I think about it often and I, you know, I've made a business out of it and helping, people actualize that I, you know, actualize their body potential. That's a term that I use with my clients. And mm -hmm. I, um, but you know, I've, I've worked very hard in a, mm, I don't want to say an academic way, but in, in my curiosities and reading and learning and 
Yeah. And just thinking about it from uh, my, I've been working at it from a curiosity standpoint and satisfying my own curiosity about what happens in our brain when we move. And, um, but anyways, yeah, I've made a business out of it. So I, I, I hope other people can, um, I don't know, see that as some kind of inspiration because it really does feel good to deliver that kind of adherence to exercise, you know, where they realize like, wow, this was really meant to be this movement, you know, this body, this, this, this healthy feeling, you know? Um, I, sorry, sorry, Jen, I just, there is one thing I want to clarify before oh, we yeah, move yeah, forward yeah. though. So we're, we're uh-huh. sort of like leeching a little bit into territory of, um, what we would call like internal or external focus during an exercise. And so, mm-hmm. um, I just want to be clear, at least from my perspective. So when I'm talking about mindful exercise and and having self-agency about it, that means like you show up, but actually as we're doing the exercise, thinking about the body parts of moving or the muscles I'm squeezing may or may not actually be what I want someone to think about. Um, And we can either sort of break that down a little bit or we can put a pin in that and come back to it later. But the the focus I want everyone to come into an exercise session with is just that they're they're here, they're ready to work, they're they're engaged in it. But it's not necessarily about thinking about their body parts while we're doing the exercise, because that's what we would call internal focus. And mm-hmm. I may not actually want someone to be thinking about that while we're doing an exercise. I may want them to be thinking more about the target I want them to be moving towards. Yeah, there's, you know, I can, when we talk about agency and and mental real estate, I mean, I can almost see trainers jumping into this saying, okay, I'm going to flood this person with information and we're going to, you know, I'll give them all the feedback and have them solve math problems while they're doing it, which by the way, I've done too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, I do, I do give people arithmetic while they're, you know, doing high intensity interval training and things like that, but there's a specific purpose to that. So I, I have a phrase, my, one of my favorite phrases, which I'll come back to over and over and over again in different contexts, uh, is more is not better. Better is better. And so people sometimes think that you have to provide people with more information in order to make the experience better. And, and my answer is not necessarily. Give them better information, let them focus on that, and then they're going to be able to establish some self-agency. Um, so that to me is, you know, we have to be careful that we don't start overwhelming people with information, but we just give people the right information to focus on so that they can achieve the purpose or functionality of that particular activity. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I, I yeah, I love hearing that <laughs> um, because it's a good reminder for me and it's a good, I think it's. Uh, it's, I think it's also kind of a new, like that would be novel for a lot of people to, to chew on, you know, uh, more is not better. (laughs) Um, because we love more in the fitness industry. Yeah. And and there's so many contexts around which that little phrase applies, whether you're looking at muscle activity or EMG or repetitions or whatever it may be, you're, you're right. It, you know, in my experience, people think that more is better and more is not necessarily better. 
So for me, create a better experience. That's better, not more. Yeah, that that that's uh, bringing me back to this uh, fitness ecosystem that you guys have brought up a few times. I, um, I'd yeah, I'd like to know more about that um, and maybe some other s- subjects that you guys are going to tackle in these upcoming episodes. Sure. PJ, do you want to use that analogy about the biggest little farm for the fitness ecosystem? Oh, sure. So, um, you know, and I would like people to listen to this episode of uh, in our podcast series. So I'm not going to give away too much, but as a teaser, um, I, you know, there's this wonderful movie, if you haven't seen it, it's called The Biggest Little Farm. And it's about these folks from California who start farming. They, you know, because they had a noisy dog in an apartment and they had to move out and they decided to uh, begin farming. And, and so they started working with an expert and, you know, they were going to plant a few fruit trees and a few other crops and that was going to be it. And so they had this consultant come in and he's like, no, you don't plant a fruit tree. You plant every fruit tree. You know, you don't plant a crop, you plant all the crops. And basically, the idea is in order to create a healthy ecosystem, you have to have everything growing because when everything is growing, it attracts all the different animal and insect species that you need to create healthy soil conditions. You're able to manage um, the predators and you're managing rodents or whatever it is you need to manage by having more elements in the ecosystem, it makes for a healthier environment. And the analogy that we're using there is that people tend to get, as we said before, fairly singular in their approach to fitness. Like what's fitness to you? Well, I like yoga or I like Pilates or I like this or I like that. And that's how they define fitness. And you also at the same time have a lot of people out there telling us what not to do. Oh, you should never use machines. You should never use that stuff. Don't ever do that exercise. And we're looking at it saying, well, that's ridiculous. Like, don't not do exercises. Do everything you can. That's the fitness ecosystem. It's not to have a crop. It's to have all the crops. So use all the exercises that are at your disposal, that you're exposed to. Do everything because that's what's ultimately going to create a healthier state. Hmm. Is there a soil in this uh, analogy? <laughs> you know, it's called the microbiome, right? So <laughs> what we're trying to do with, in, in a healthy ecosystem is to create a healthy microbiome. And what we're trying to do with our bodies is to create a healthy body that is capable of adapting to all kinds of stimulation and is able to do all the things that you want, you know, and then people jump into functional training, which is a two-part episode that we do uh, to really dispel some of the myths around that. But, you know, it's, it's, don't be, don't throw things away because people are telling you, you shouldn't be doing it is basically it's be inclusive, not exclusive. And that Mm -hmm. will lead to better outcomes. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Gigi, you got anything to add to that? Um, yeah, so like the soil, the analogy for the soil would really be your brain because the more you expose yourself to different movements, um, the better your movement vocabulary will be, the better your information processing will be, and um, you know that will help you to develop your brain. Um, 
And yeah, just to add uh, a little caveat to that. So, and again, I don't want to get too much into the episode, but it doesn't also, because there's this uh, common, I don't know if it's as popular as it was, but there was this thing called muscle confusion that was, if you've watched TV at all in the last 20 years, there's a constant commercial about these deep fitness DVDs and their whole selling point was this concept of muscle confusion, which I think someone would think that maybe we're sort of reiterating here, which is like every single day you've got to confuse your muscles. And and so uh, you should listen to our podcast on that because we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, so the fitness ecosystem is really developing a rich uh, array of movements and also not to um, limit your use of tools just because someone has told you something about them at some point. Um, but not necessarily that you're going to do everything every single day um, and change everything you're doing every single day for this, for the purpose of providing this muscle confusion. But to learn more about that, you're going to have to listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, man, I um, something the the term when you brought up information processing. Mm-hmm that really lit something up, um, lit my little brain up that I don't know. I don't think people understand that that is a part of exercise, the process of information processing. Well, interestingly, it's someone that everyone actually understands just subconsciously. So information processing, anytime you learn a skill, so imagine you're rollerblading and it's your very first time on rollerblades and, you know, someone looks like Frank, they're like very stiff and rigid and they're probably talking to themselves and they're sweating. And, and, you know, that's in, in motor learning stages, we would call that either early stages or, um, the, uh, the cognitive, phase. yeah, cog- the cognitive phase where it's right. like, Literally, you have to like talk at you or if you're doing the waltz, you're like one, two, three, one, two, like all your cognitive attention is being placed on trying to do this task. And anybody that's ever learned how to ride a bike has learned, has gone through the information processing stage where as they get better at it, a lot of these things are happening subconsciously. um, But you're learning how to exploit the environment to do this task. And as (laughs) the ironic thing is, as you get better with it, it becomes, you become less able to verbalize what you're doing. You just sort of learn through experience how to exploit the environment and the masses of your body and whatever implement you might be using. So information processing is a critical step in terms of any sort of skill acquisition. And in exercise, so PJ was talking about doing math problems. And I can bring up, you know, sometimes you hear stories on podcasts and you're like, ah, the guy just made that up. It's total bullshit. I actually, I don't know if PJ would remember this, but he, when we first met, he came down to an RTS seminar in Oklahoma. And because I was always the kind of person that would like, anytime someone would ask for a volunteer, I always forced myself to be the guy that would raise his hand. So mm-hmm. PJ was talking about lunges and I, I, it wasn't about the lunge, but it was about, we were talking about information processing. So he made me lunge in front of the room and I'm sure in that room, everyone was like, ah, you're Femurs, what I don't know. I'm sure I was getting <laughs> But then he made me count backwards from 100 by seven as I was doing the lunges. So, like, as I was lunging, it was like 100, 93. I can't even do it now when I'm sitting here. What is it, 86? What? So, you can see it's he's adding. So, I 
my level of doing a walking lunge at that point was quite good. I've been doing them for 20 years. But when he added this extra layer of um, cognitive processing, it broke my lunge down completely. I had to stop in mid-lunge, you know, I, because instead of being able to automatically do this lunge, which I knew how to do, I, I was it was inter having to count backwards was interfering with that. It was breaking down my lunge. And so if you know how to manipulate those things, you can actually create problems like that for people to solve. And especially in like agility drills and sporting type drills so that you can keep like, cause there's a, ultimately there's going to be a threshold for like tissue development, you know, like you don't just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and like, even though the rock seems to be proving that otherwise, but most human <laughs> yeah. beings, like there's the tissue development at some point, you reach sort of a threshold, but the information processing threshold is theoretically boundless. You know, like you could keep playing with these things in a strategic way to where someone's ability to process information in, in a very rapid time in a bunch of different contexts, um, you can improve that, you know, basically you know, ad infinitum, there's, there's no limit that we know of that, you know, you would stop your information processing. So, mm. um, and again, you, you, these are some of the tools we're talking about when you have a fitness ecosystem, but you would need to know when is the appropriate time and place and how much of it to do in a fitness setting. Just real quickly, anything you do involves information processing. If you if you pick up a dumbbell, you're processing information. A lot of that is subconscious, but how tightly are you grasping it? You know, how heavy is it? Are you sensing that information? Uh, where is it starting? Where is it moving? How is it being accelerated? You know, the joints picking up information. You have to understand what the task is. Everything that you do involves information processing. The question is how complex is it? And that's what Gigi was getting at with the walking lunges and the subtraction of serial sevens. It's you're, you're introducing such a complex problem to solve mentally that it completely interferes with the movement. When you're doing multitasking, what you're doing is literally adding additional elements that need to be processed. And the other thing to consider is the more intense the exercise, the greater, the, the higher the level you're working towards your maximal capacity, the more your information processing skills start to break down. So as you're reaching 100% of your maximum effort, your, your prediction skills break down, your visual information skills tend to break down, um, how you're calculating space and things occurring around you, all of that starts to deteriorate as your intensity exercise intensity level goes up. And so we need to manage those things very carefully. And frankly, when I watch people do it in a gym setting, it doesn't look like it's being managed at all. And so that's something that we'll be talking about um, in future episodes of ours. Yeah. So that's like, um, that would be an exercise design topic. Correct. It sounds like, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, are there any other, uh, so it sounds like you're doing some episodes that are, uh, concept focused, uh, and helping people think outside of that, that box that we've been, um, told is, you know, really important. And 
some of the, and then some of the episodes are more about the application or is it strategy? Can I get, I, I, I'm excited. So, (laughs) yeah. So, um, it's, it's definitely some of that. And then also just, um, you know, due to PJ's background and my shared background in motor learning. So, um, you know, there's a whole trove of literature and really fascinating um, researchers and people that unfortunately, you know, because they might not have the most ripped abs, don't, you know, don't make it to Men's Health and or State Magazine. And so also some of the podcasts are calling on people that we know and having discussions about things on the surface, maybe people wouldn't think they are interested in, but they would be if they knew just a little bit more about it and if they could hear it explained in simple terms from a world-class expert. So we're lucky enough to have some really world-class experts on things like stretching and uh, basically how we, how we, how we create movement, how we adapt movement. Um, and so in addition to our shared background in personal training, we're bringing in people on the academic, on the academic side. And also in the, we'll bring in people on the prof- professional strength and conditioning world, but we're bringing in people as well that can really add a lot of richness and depth to the conversation, even for someone that's casually interested in exercise, but they wouldn't have exposure to just because these people are, you know, busy doing their research primarily. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really cool to see how uh, people in this industry are operating and thinking and, because not many people know that this type of exercise even exists. So, heck yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, I would say, look, uh, my experience is that most people evaluate exercise efficiency based on how much they sweat or how sore they are. And like, look, those are two things you can relatively measure if you don't have other tools. And I'm not saying like, that's ridiculous. That's the dumbest thing in the world. Look, it's what you have at your disposal if you don't have more sophisticated tools. Um, The problem is if that's your only way to evaluate how appropriate an exercise is for your own body and for your own goals, they're, you know, they're really, you know, blunt force instruments. You can't, you can get some things out of them, but they can't really give you fine measures of how appropriate your, this exercise stimulus was for you. So, you know, again, I wouldn't tell anybody to throw out like how sore you feel, how much you sweat. Those can be, those can be fine things to measure and evaluate, but like we want to just add a bunch of other tools to your toolbox to have some more sophisticated tools as well. Mm. Uh, is there anything that we didn't cover that's that you think needs to be in this intro episode? Well, I no? think you know we've talked about who we are and and what we're trying to present. Yep. Um, we do want to support what we're saying with real science, and in most of our episodes, we'll be citing relevant research. We want people to ask questions. We want to challenge things, but we also want to do so thoughtfully and carefully. So we're not just being argumentative, but there's some information that we can introduce to get people to think a little bit differently. Um, 
And, you know, we also want to stir the pot. We, we want to get people, uh, you know, to a higher state of arousal, whether that's good or bad, you know, this way, at least <laughs> they feel like they can contribute to the conversation. As I've said, you know, people have thrown darts at me my whole life. And so mm-hmm. um, we welcome that. If, if people want to challenge what we're saying, then bring it. Uh, but we would also say bring it with some support, right? Don't just repeat what someone else is saying, but do the work yourself. If you feel like there's something that would take a different point of view, bring that perspective um, and do it thoughtfully and put the time and effort into really understanding that, which then, by the way, helps you because you've put some work into it. And that's always going to help all of us is when we put the time and effort into really understanding those things that we're discussing. Awesome. I, uh, I think that for me, like hearing that last part, I myself, um, are very, I'm, I'm interested to hold myself to a higher standard and be an example, you know, um, and not, I don't want to be the type of professional that relies on just two or three sources of information. Like I, I really uh, strive to listen and learn and reflect before digging my heels into anything new. So again, like sometimes this podcast is all about me. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, if anyone listens to what you just said and they model yourself after you, the world would be a better place. So Absolutely. <laughs> Great tweet. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, I think this is a great place to wrap up because any more, I, I mean, I, could, I have definitely more things to ask and, want, and you know, really want to get into these uh, episodes that you guys are bringing, but I, don't, I also don't want to, reveal too much because they um it's it's the healthy curiosity is also a big theme (laughs) of my approach to fitness you know so thank you guys for uh taking the time to record today and your massive contributions to the podcast community and our well we'll see thank you for having us having us yeah